Well, good morning. So we get to start our Christmas season. You guys need to smile more if it's Christmas. Yeah. So we are going to, actually, this is going to, I just had you smile, and now I'm going to bring you down a little bit. We're going to talk about fear, okay? Um, I want you to think of, like, your biggest concern, fear, something that's troubling you right now. And you're like, Mike, I only get one? Um, but what it would be, like, one of your biggest concerns? Has it got to, something to do with your relationships? Is it... Something to do with financial, um, you know, uh, something to do job-related. What is it that, uh, children-related, what is it that is your biggest fear in your life? You know, I was reading uh, this, um, I don't know what it would be, just some findings from the University of Minnesota website on their website. It was talking about fear, and this is what, some of the things that they said, they said, Fear weakens our immune system and can cause cardiovascular damage. Gastrointestinal problems such as ulcers, irritable bowel syndrome, uh, decreased fertility, and can also lead to accelerated aging and even premature death. Fear can impair uh, formations of long-term memories and cause damage to certain parts of the brain, such as the hippocampus. This can make it even more difficult to regulate fear and can leave a person anxious most of the time. Other consequences of long-term fear include fatigue, clinical depression, and PTSD. And you're thinking, yeah, that was real helpful, Mike. Thanks a lot. Now I have that one thing that I was worried about and you just made me fearful of fear. Now I'm all strung out with fear. You know, uh, Uh, Franklin Roosevelt, he says, there is nothing to fear but fear itself. You think it's true? I don't know. I think sometimes I think we relate more to what the comedian Richard Lewis said. His version was, there is nothing to fear but life itself. (laughs) Probably one of the most um, repeated phrases in our Christmas passages as we read through those. And we're reading through them right now. Lori wanted to read through Luke. And so we just do a chapter a day while we eat. And we miss a day or two here and there. And so we have to pick up. But, uh, but as we're reading through that at the beginning of reading through that, uh, there's one phrase that just keeps being repeated over and over in almost every one of those sections. What is it? Fear not. You have these angels that are constantly telling them and reminding them, fear not. I want us to look at uh, three of those passages just to kind of get us an idea of what's going on in our Christmas story and this phrase that keeps coming up. So the first one is in Luke chapter 1, verse 8. We'll go down to verse 13. It says, Now while he was serving as priest before God when his division was on duty, according to the customs of the priesthood, He was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him. I don't know. It seems like there ought to be a stronger word than troubled if you saw an angel, right? And fear fell upon him. And the angel said to him, 
Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. Here's another one in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. We'll go down to verse 30. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And we'll look at Matthew chapter 1, verse, starting with verse 18 through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken to the prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel had commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until he had given, that she had given birth to a son and called his name Jesus. And there's a lot of others. We could have went to the shepherds, right? They were in a field nearby. And when the angel shone and when they were singing, you know, all those praises, those, those shepherds were terrified. And they had to start with saying, fear not. Um, there's even, you know, this situation with the wise men when they come looking for Jesus later. Um, and they had a dream as well, it's in Matthew chapter 2, verse 12, and it says, And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Now, it doesn't actually say fear not, but if they had a dream, all three of them having the same dream, and tell them not to go to Herod, I think that they would have dealt with some fear. You know, either fearful of Herod, so we are definitely not going back to that crazy man's path, right? Or fearful that they just all had the same dream with this angel. But uh, it just seems like there was fear going on everywhere in our Christmas story. And also this phrase that was saying, fear not, happening because of all the fear. I, I have to say that the number one uh, direct or indirect thing that's conversations that I have with people most of the time actually but but particularly it seems like you know in the last 2020 has to do either directly or indirectly with the topic of fear I've had many conversations just with with uh, some of my friends dealing with the fear of the government taking away our guns 
I mean, literally, I've had several of those conversations. I've had a lot of conversations about just fear in relationships that people are having, or, or fear in, um, you know, just job-related stuff, you know, losing their job and, and not having the financials uh, to see things through. Uh, fear associated with sickness, fear associated with COVID, obviously, and on and on it was. Fear, you know, with loneliness. I mean, there's just all these fears. The, the Chapman University Survey of American Fear Waves was put out uh, in July of 2019. The reason that that interested me is because they did like a, this big long survey of fears in people's lives, but it was July 2019. It was before, you know, um, a whole lot was going on with, I mean, well, COVID hadn't even really arrived yet, right? Because it's not until March of 2020 that really we began to have that kind of fear going on. But this is the things that they came up with. There's, they had a top 10 list, but I'm not going to share all of them. But the top one was the fear of government or the fear of corrupt government officials. Out of the thousands of people that they surveyed, 77.2 have this fear of corrupt government officials. Maybe you share that fear. I don't know. Or number three was people I love becoming seriously ill. 66.7% people have this ongoing fear of that. Uh, the fear of number five, people I love dying. Um, cyber ter- terrorism made the top ten. Uh, that made the top 10 not having enough money for the future. I think that fear probably has taken the high, you know, up the pole a little bit. But the, the reality is, is that there is just, it wasn't just Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and, you know, Zachariah and Elizabeth that was dealing with fear and had to be reminded to fear not. I think it's just something that all of us have to deal with. I'm going to share with you shaky shaky went to the psychiatrist now you know this is going to be my attempt to tell a joke and you know the jokes don't go well but shaky goes to the psychiatrist and and he says doc he says i i have this terrible fear you know i'm laying on my bed at night and i i have this fear that somebody's underneath my bed so I go under there, and then I have this fear that somebody's on top of my bed. And I go on top, and I'm on top, and I'm under all night long trying to overcome this fear. Can you help me? I feel like I'm going crazy. He says, I can help you. I can fix you in two years. Just come to me once a week for two years, and I'll help you get over this fear. And he's, he says, okay, but he never, ever goes back to the psychiatrist. I mean, it's been like six months later, the psychiatrist sees Shaky on the road, and he says, Shaky. I thought you had this fear you were going to come and let me help you with. He says, no, nah, I already got that taken care of. Uh, I got a better bargain. Because he said, I asked him how much he would you know, charge him. It was like $150 a visit. And he says, I got a better bargain with the bartender. He says, the bartender? What did he tell you? He says, he told me just to cut the legs off the bed. <laughs> anyway, that's the joke. <laughs> but <laughs> the reason, you know, obviously I'm not no bartender. And I'm not wanting to belittle any of our fears because I know that whatever that fear is that I asked you to, you know, say at the beginning of this, I know it's legit. I know that it's serious. I know that it's important to you. I'm not belittling that, but I think, though, that joke does remind us something important. And I think that 
that at least from God's perspective, we, we make it more complicated than what it really is. You know, the, the solution isn't all that complicated. The solution is, is just to believe what God says. What does God say? Fear not. Every time he runs into somebody that has fear, this is what he is telling them to do. Even in the Old Testament, be strong and courageous and, and don't let fear dismay you. You know, trust in God. And I think that that is, seems simple, but that is the real solution. So Zechariah and Elizabeth, they were told after decades of being barren, and here they are, old people, never had a child, always wanted a child, always felt, you know, less than with all of their friends because they didn't have a child. And then he's told by this angel that freaked him out that he's going to have a child. And it was just hard for him to believe. He just didn't, he didn't want his heart to be disappointed again. Because of his disbelief, what happened? That angel muted him, right, for the whole duration of the pregnancy because of it. Because the angel wanted him to believe. To believe. Don't fear. Believe that it's true. You know, Mary, she was young, unmarried, unpregnant, you know, until the angel come. And then she becomes pregnant without ever being with a man. Because the Holy Spirit put this child within her. What kind of fear would she have been dealing with? And we know, right? I mean, how do you explain that to mom and dad? Right? I mean, how do you explain that to the neighbors and to the people around? You're going to have to carry around this scarlet A around your neck for, for a long time. It's never probably going to go away for a long time. And then just dealing with just the fear of like, you were chosen to, you know, raise this child that was put in. You would know that it was put in you, right? And just that fear that would have been along with that. And yet Mary, I think that's what's so cool about Mary, though. She's just like, okay, whatever. I mean, she had some questions. She had some concerns. But for the most part, she's just like, okay, whatever. Let it be done, as you said. And then you have Joseph who it says when we read that scripture that he is just this morally upright, very good guy. It, it mattered to him what people thought. It mattered to him what God thought. And he wanted to be a good guy. And now the person that he is betrothed with becomes pregnant. And even if he were to believe her story, even if he were to believe, he knows as well as like Mary would have had to deal with what everybody else would have thought. That he was the one who was, un, you know, immoral in that situation. And he would have to carry that when that was so important to him. What people thought. It tells us in Luke chapter 2 there, it says, Don't be afraid to take Mary. This is what the angel said to Joseph, right? Don't be afraid to take Mary and the baby as your own and to to be basically, to be judged and, and rejected by man. Don't be afraid to take her as your own. And what did Joseph do? He took her as his own wife. And he did it because of what the angel said. 
He overcame his fear in the midst of it. You know, I read somewhere that uh, there's 365 fear knots in the Bible, which is kind of cool. I mean, I, I have not checked that out. I'm taking that, to, you know, to be true, but I know that there's a ton of them because I did look, you know, did do a Google search in my Bible program of that. But uh, 365, that's pretty cool because there's 365 days. I know you know that. So one per day, right? And to be honest, with people who freak out about everything, I think that's pretty handy to know that there's somebody, you know, God reminding you not to. And he's trying to speak into every situation that is in your path and everything that is going your way. Here's a few of them. I'm, obviously, we're not going to read 365, but Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or tremble at them. For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. First Chronicles 28.20 says, Then David said to the son of Solomon, Be strong and courageous and act. Do not fear nor dismay, for the Lord your God, my God, is with you. He will not fail or forsake you until all the work of the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Isaiah 35, 4 says, Say to those who with anxious hearts, take courage, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. The recompense of God will come, but he will save you. Isaiah 41.10 says, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be anxious. Look around you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And here's some from the New Testament. 1 Peter 5, verse 6, it says, Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Who is there to harm you if you prove zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, you are blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled. Let me tell you, Paul could have used that verse for sure, right? I mean, just to be reminded that even though bad things come upon you, don't fear and don't fall into their, you know, intimidation. Just remember that you are blessed to be able to suffer in that way. Matthew chapter 3, verse 34, it says, So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will, will care for itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. 365 verses. The theme is pretty clear, right? I mean, if we read all of them, what we'd come out with is the same thing, and that is what? Fear not. And we'd be reminded that we have this God who is with us in every situation, whatever it is, whatever it is we're facing, you know, whether it's health or relationship or job or, or children or, or marriage or whatever the situation, it doesn't matter what situation you come up with, there's a, a fear not for you in that situation. Because you have this God who is like, says, I will walk you through that. I will help you through that. There's nothing that I can't help you through to give you the strength, to give you the courage, to give you the, everything that you would possibly need to make it through. So what it all amounts to is 
after 365 verses, what does it amount to? Are we going to do it? You know, are we going to be like Joseph, who actually listens to the word of God, and when he says, fear not and do, that are we going to do that? Are we going to be like Mary, who reminds us again of, of listening to God and fearing not and going on with whatever it is they called us to do, or the shepherds? Even Zechariah, I, I just still admire him too, right? I mean, even though his voice was taken, he still had some faith. He still made it out of there alive anyway, right? And I just think that that's so important for us to remember in the midst of our fear. I'm going to tell you a story. I think maybe I've told this story before. I don't know. But, but uh, there was a time I thought I had cancer, right? And I didn't praise Jesus for that. Or if I did, praise Jesus that he took it away. I don't know. But, but I think the doctor and I, they, they don't even know what I had, okay? But he thinks that I had histoplasmosis, which is fungus in your lungs. Um, and, uh, but anyway, I was sick. I was having um, day sweats, night sweats. I mean, I had it all. And I was super sick, well, if I had histoplasmosis, we're pretty sure that I got it when I went under the house to do plumbing. And that's the story I want to tell you. So we, we redid our kitchen, and we took the kitchen sink, and we put it in an island in the middle of our kitchen. Um, I made a, a concrete countertop that, that we just poured ourselves. And, and so it's really thick, super heavy, you know. And we put the sink there, and we, you know, we have like seating around it. And so I had to crawl under the house to do the plumbing, redo all of that. And so my dad was there to help me, my dad, my mom, and and I'm under this house, and I hate going under this house. But I think I tell everybody I was under there like five hours. I literally think that I'm not exaggerating, but my dad might be home right now saying it was like an hour and a half, you know. I don't know, but it seemed like forever that I was under this house. And, and uh, the house, it's just a, you know, dirt underneath there, and there's not much space. I mean, it gets kind of big there for a while, but when you get to the middle of the kitchen section, there's just not space. And so you have these, like, uh, I guess they're 2 by 12s maybe, 2 by 10 2 by 12s for the floor joists. And there's so much not space that you can't, crawl between the tube, uh, the 12s, and, and actually turn around. I couldn't maneuver. So what I had to do is I had to get in line with them, and then I had to go ahead and have my hands up, you know, and then I had to use my feet and push myself between these, these floor joists because it was the only way that I could get to the plumbing area and start working on the plumbing. It was terrible. You know, you drop something, you couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to pick it up. I couldn't see very good. And I could not, you know, move at all. Well, I got that done, and my arms were completely fatigued, and I needed to rest them. And I could not get turned around. I could not, it was not that hard pushing myself to that position, but I couldn't figure out how to pull myself out of that position. It's like, what were you thinking, idiot, you know? All of a sudden, I just got, I, I've never had like a panic attack, but I began to have this panic attack, like I was 
wedged in there, and I was stuck, and I was going to suffocate, and the house was going to crumble down on top of me, you know. I mean, this is where I'm going to be buried. I mean, I just had all these just horrible thoughts in my head just come flooding in, and I started panicking. I started trying to move, you know, to get out of it quickly, and I just found myself in more of a bind. I began to, like, you know, really holler, I'm sure, uh, where my dad and mom could hear me. And uh, my mom was, like, freaked out because she freaks out really quick about these things, you know. (laughs) Marvin, help him! Get them! You know, call the fire department! I don't know what she was saying, but but, uh, my dad, this is what he does. He says, says, son, he says, uh, Mike, he says, look, I will cut you out. If, if I need to cut you out, I'll cut you out. I'll have you out in like no time, okay? So just calm down and see if you can figure out how to get yourself out. If you can't, I will come and get you. And let me tell you, as soon as he said that in his calm voice, instantly the panic, you know, started melting away. I was still panicked. There was still fear, but the fear subsided to where I could just kind of relax a little bit and start trying to figure out how to maneuver and get things worked out. And somehow, in the midst of that, I was able to get turned around. I came out of there just, you know, sweating and just a nervous wreck. If you've ever had a panic attack, you know what that's like. But I had to get out. I had to get out. And I got calmed down. And, you know, talking to my dad, I eventually went back underneath there and finished the job and then got out of there. And then later I ended up getting histoplasmosis. Boy, I'm glad I didn't know I was going to get that, right? And to miss that. But, but what I, the reason I tell you that story is because what my dad did for me was everything. I mean, I, I could not, I don't know what I would have done if he wasn't there. You know what I mean? Uh, if I would have tried to do that by myself and I was stuck in that situation by myself, it wouldn't have been any different, but he provided everything I needed to, to calm down. And here's, here's why that worked with me. This is so important for you to understand. Why that worked with me is because of how much trust I have in my dad. Like when he says, Mike, look, I will cut you out. I will get you out of there if I need to get you out of there, right? But there's a sense of trust that has to be. Now, I love my brothers. But if it would have been my brother that was up there and says, hey, Mike, just relax. I'll cut you out. That wouldn't have helped a whole lot. I mean, I, I would have been like, if he started cutting, I'd be like, dude, where are you cutting? I mean, because uh, this, this concrete thing that's up there weighs thousands of pounds, I'm sure. I don't know how much it weighs, but I don't know it weighs a lot. And it's like right above me. I'm like laying under that. I would have been terrified that you're going to just slam this thing down on top of me, right? And so I would just have questioned everything that they were doing. What are you doing right now? Is that, wait, wait, that might be where my foot is. Are you sure that's, that's where you're going to cut, you know? Eventually, I would have said what? Just call dad. Just get him here and let him do this. And the reason is, is because, again, it's not that I don't trust my brothers, but not to the extent I trust my dad. And I trust not only my dad, but I trust his ability. Like, right? I mean, like, his wisdom and his just knowing how to do that. I, I've just learned that, I guess, as his child. And there was just something he added to that moment that 
took away my fear so that I could get through it. Don't you know that that's like what God is trying to do with these fear knots? You know, he's just talking to his children and he's just telling them, look, fear not. I just ask a, a really big thing of you, Mary, but you're highly favored. I love you. I, I, I just think so much of you. I'm going to walk you through this. Joseph, you can do this. I mean, I just think that that's so important for us to remember that these are not just theirs, though. It's ours. There's 365 of these things to remind us that God is our God. He's our Father. He's, he can be trusted. He has the ability. And for us just to calm down and realize. Here's the thing that I want you to pick out, though, is, and understand, too, is that he, he, he doesn't take them out of the journey. You know, I mean, it's not like he just snaps his fingers and poof, we're just, you know, have it all worked out or something. Any more than my dad took me out of the plumbing, right? It was still my journey to do. I still had to come back underneath that house. I still had to do it, but I had so much more confidence to do it, knowing that my dad was there, right there to help me any moment that I need help. Mary wasn't taken out of the journey, she still had to be ridiculed and rejected probably by all of her family and, and the people, you know, in the community. She still had to raise the Son of God and eventually see him tortured on the cross. She still had to go through all of that emotion. She still had the journey. But what she had was a Father God who says, Fear not, I will walk you right through this thing. I will give you the strength and the ability that you need, the, the confidence that you need in order to be able to accomplish this. And that's what he did for all of them. And that's what he does for us as well. And the thing that you have to decide is you just have to make a decision. Can I trust him? Can I trust his word? Can I trust his ability? Can I trust him? Enough to go ahead and finish my journey, go ahead and get through this, to be able to calm down. You know, it reminds me of Abraham. I can't help but think of Abraham as we talk about this. Abraham was given such a challenge, wasn't he? I mean, not that it was any more than what Mary was given, or Joseph was given, or Zachariah and Elizabeth, or any of the others. But it, it was a big deal. I mean, here, Abraham had been waiting 25 years after, and he was 75 when he was told, an old man then. But he's like 90s, in his 90s now, and he has this child. Finally gets this promise that he's been promised for so long. And now he's asked to take him up on a hillside and kill him. Sacrifice him. Now, God, that's not a big deal for God. I mean, a lot of people are always like, when they read that, I, I get these questions. And I had these questions for a long time myself. But why would God ask somebody to do something like that, right? But it wasn't a big deal for God to ask that. Why? Because God already knew how it was going to come out. God already knew he was going to provide the ram that was in the thicket. He already had that set up. God already knew. So when God was asking us something, he didn't really see that it is a, 
a big deal because, hey, I'll take care of it. I mean, it's not like it's going to end badly. But Abraham didn't know that, did he? But he was asked to go through this journey. And what did God tell him? Just fear not, Abraham. I'm going to ask this of you. You just got to trust me. You just got to realize that I will provide for you. This is what, and even though Abraham did not know how it was going to turn out, Abraham trusted God, right? And that was good enough for him. And this is what it tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. It says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his one and only son. So he's in the act of offering up, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. I mean, Abraham was promised that his offspring would be numerous as the seashore, and it was going to be through this son. And he's fixing to bring down the, the hammer, the, the, the knife, into the heart of his son. And he still doesn't have a clue how this is going to but he trusts his father. And this is how it ends in verse 19. He says, he considered, this is what Abraham considered, that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. He just reasoned, if he has me do this, I guess he's going to be able to raise him. But Abraham had so much. The reason I take you there is because Abraham is known as you know, the father of faith, and rightly so. I mean, for him to be willing to go all the way through this now, as he's about to come down, that's when God stops him, and he directs him, he says, you have done well, my son. And he directs him to, you know, the ram, and he has him sacrifice the ram in the place of his son. And God provided for that. But just the fact that, the sheer fact that Abraham what would have been the most terrifying, fearful thing you've ever walked through, he still trusted. And God still provided. And God was there. It wasn't easy for Abraham. It wasn't easy for Mary. It wasn't easy for Joseph. It wasn't easy, you know, for Nicodemus, the woman at the well, to put their trust you know, it's not easy for Mark Bastion either, I'm sure. And we need to pray for our brother Mark going through cancer. And I know that there has to be fear in the midst of that. But he has the same God that you and I have saying the same thing to him, and that is fear not. It's not easy for Jerry Bernal going through what she's going through. But she has this God that's saying, fear not. You know, it's not easy for uh, the Spelector boys to bury their mom this year. And yet they have a God that is telling them to fear not, I will walk you through this. You know, I just got some news right before church started of somebody that used to sit down here on the front row with her daughter every Sunday for a very long time. She passed away this week. And it's not going to be easy for a family, but if, if they will just listen to God, 
He will get them through. He will walk them through this. You know, the Fitzsimmons, they had their two foster girls taken, you know, and what a hard, difficult time that had been. And now Andrea has like this tumor on the back, bottom part of her brain. And they're going to have to find out what all that means, but they don't know. And, and you know, Eva, she hasn't been here since uh, COVID. And just being isolated and separated from her church family, I'm sure, isn't easy. There's just so many things, and that's not a, a full list by any means, but you see what I'm, what I'm saying, right? There's so many things that are going to come our way, and God's not going to take us out of the journey. We have this journey that we are on. But we have a God who is going to walk us through every single thing. And every time that we have this fear, he's going to have these verses come in our way. The Holy Spirit's going to remind us, maybe of this sermon, maybe of a verse. But he's going to tell you the same thing. It's a pattern, and it is fear not, for I am with you. Don't be intimidated. Don't be discouraged. Don't be dismayed. For I am your God, and I will give you everything that you need. Just just be like my dad helped me with the plumbing. Be like that with your father God as he helps you through life. Just calm down. Just put your trust in him and know that he's got you because he loves you. And he did everything for you. And the thing that proves all of that is what we're fixing to go through and Sean's going to lead us into our communion time. But this is, this is his proof, biggest proof, that he has everything under control for you. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you so much for just the reminder as we step into this strange Christmas season, one different than the others that we've experienced. This reminded Again, that you have this too. I mean, you have everything that comes our way, no matter what our situation is. Father, you are the one who is our provider. You're the one who has our back. You're the one who already has secured our future. We are so thankful, Father, for everything that we have in in Jesus. And Father, it is... As we step out on trust, just help us to to complete that. Help us to to just not let fear hold us back. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.